Thank you for tuning in to the Mile 40 podcast. I am Beshoy Tadros, the author of Break Barriers and Audacious, both of which are sold on Amazon. And I invite you to join me as I engage with guests to discuss those bounce back moments that we encounter on our personal journey. Mile 40 is a forum to learn about how athletes, professionals, and leaders of all backgrounds stare down moments in life where the only option is to rise up. The Mile 40 podcast strives to remind listeners that the comeback is always greater than the setback. Welcome back to another episode of the Mile 40 podcast. What an incredible season it's been so far. We've had athletes, we've had business owners, we've had people with all kinds of stories come on board so far, taking us to their pit to peak trajectories, talking about the mindset that they built up, talking about the lessons that they learned with the ups and downs that they've gone through, building themselves up in some of the most critical moments, moments they didn't expect. We talked about business owners who had to deal with the notion that their business might completely shut down with no control. We talked about athletes who've had to overcome obstacles that you know they never envisioned coming in their way. Today, we have a really special guest. Today, we have James McMillian. James is a certified instructor over at Tone House in New York. And Tone House has actually been mentioned on the podcast a couple of times, James, because everybody in the New York scene, especially <laughs> anyone involved in boutique fitness, knows all about Tone House and knows yeah. where it stands across the pack. And so I'm really honored to have you on board today. But aside from being an instructor, James is the total package. He's a Wilhelmina model. He's been featured in men's fitness. He's been featured on muscle and fitness. And he's also been featured on a bunch of Nike campaigns. So, you know, James isn't just, you know, instructor. He, he's out there. He's doing his things. He's a jack of all trades. Thanks a lot for uh, joining me today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So one one thing I know about this, James, is this is going to be fun. Because one thing I know about you is that you don't take life too seriously. You like to make oh. sure that everybody's having a good time. I've been a part of your classes. I felt the energy. Um, and I've seen what you've done to instill a confidence in people around you. You know, I want to talk a little bit, bit about where that energy comes from, where that mindset kind of developed. Uh, well, I'll tell you, it goes from the beginning where I'm from. Uh, I come from Mount Vernon, New York, hometown of Denzel Washington. All right. But um, where I'm from um, and the way I grew up, you didn't really have much of any resources or anything. You know what I'm saying? It was high crime and you had to do what you had to do to survive or get through in life. So everything I do right now, is like, I always want to give people the opportunity to live the life that they want or their dreams, because where I come from, limited resources, it made it hard for me to do that. So I had to do all the fighting. I had to grind it out and all the above um, to get where I'm at. So I want to give people that shorter route, you know what I'm saying, in terms of building their confidence so they don't have to go through the things that I went through. So I look at it now as, I, the only other place I can go is back there and that's at the bottom. So I might as well have fun here, you know what I'm saying, while I'm here. Um, and I always believe that we only have one life to live. You you might as well leave your mark and your legacy in that one life that you have. So that's absolutely correct. Now, let me ask you, what kept you grounded when you were in that environment? You know, um, why you? Why did you make it out? 
Uh, so my mom, I will say my mom, she was like my my driving force as well as my grandfather. They made sure that I did everything right in terms of like school. They was on me on school, play sports um, and everything. And my mom was my biggest cheerleader, fan, motivation. Even today, she'll send me a text message. Hey, you need to do this because it looked like you're not doing enough or you need to go to the gym. Yeah, you're looking weak. You know what I'm saying? Because uh, I'll give you a little story on how strong my mom is mentally and how she knew that I would be something in life. Well, when I was born, the doctors told her I would be born with no limbs. Uh-huh. You know what I'm and so she told those doctors that whatever he is born with, we're going to love him the same. And look at my limbs. <laughs> wow. So a uh- lot of people... So I find it funny when a lot of people say, oh, that's genetics and all that. But they didn't realize like all the hours and time that I had to put in to build myself up. Like my mom, every once every year will buy one piece of workout equipment. And I knew it wasn't for her, but she would put it in the house and I would utilize it. So I started off with like eight pound dumbbells, just curling it a lot. Um, And then like you spoke, spoke on about having asthma, I had bad asthma. So I've been hospitalized over 20 times, airlifted, transported every single thing, because my asthma, it's not sparked through fitness. It's more so um, if I have dust or if the weather changes, so it can happen at any time, you know what I'm saying? So it's hard to avoid. Um, so I told myself I wanted to train my body so hard that if I do have an asthma attack, my body is still strong enough to push through because I wanted to play sports with my friends. But every season by the end of the season, because you know, the weather changes, I would end up in the hospital. So I wouldn't be able to finish a season when I played Pop Warner Youth Tackle. And all I saw, I told myself, I'm going to keep running. So there was a stadium where I'm from and I used to run the steps, run around the town. Everybody knew me for training because I was trying to get myself ahead. They thought I was I was a hard worker, but I'm like, no, I want to be able to play with my friends, be able to keep up without having an asthma attack. So I was out there every single day. That's incredible. Now, when did that diagnosis come about Um, for my asthma? Yeah. When I was born. You were one year old. Yeah. Yeah. So I I was. this was from the beginning. Yeah, there was, I didn't ne- come, there was I didn't never come out a period where things were normal. Yeah, I didn't come right out the hospital. I was in the hospital for months. Wow. After, after I was born, and so wow. So it's been a it's been a long journey and a long road for sure. And, and you said something that kind of made me laugh, like your mom texting you and telling you that you look a little weak and you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, for anyone out there listening this is not a person that you would look at and ever say like he needs to go to the gym. So the fact that your mom is calling you out and saying yes. you need to go to the gym says nobody probably knows her as well as you do. She probably oh. sees, she probably knows every little crease. Um, yeah. and, and when something isn't looking right. Yes. Um, so she, th- that, that's awesome. Knows. And it's awesome she, that, you know, she kind of had that mentality instilled from, you know, right when you were born, um, you know, potentially, you know, being diagnosed as, or being told that you may not have limbs and, and kind of, you know, she was like, well, you know, no matter what, um, you know, this is my son, I'm going to love him and I'm going to raise him to his full potential. Um, yes. And, you know, I didn't, didn't know that. And just knowing you, you could see that exudes through you uh, yeah. that, you know, you're holding her true to that promise to see through your full potential. Yes. Um, so I want to talk a little bit more about um, the asthma diagnosis. And, and for a lot of people out there, you know, asthma may 
sound is, is a pretty common diagnosis that a lot of people have to deal with. Uh, yeah. But there's obviously different levels of severity. Um, I, I've had asthma in my family. I don't have it, but other members of my family have it. Yeah. Uh, but one thing is for sure that if you want to excel in the athletic arena um, and you have asthma and you have a severe diagnosis when it comes to asthma, it could be extremely limiting, not only physically, but mentally. Yes. Um, so let's talk a little bit about, about that. I mean, um, it, it seems like your mom was strong-willed from when you were younger, but at what point did you kind of say like enough is enough? Like, not only do I want to compete with the other people out there, but I, I essentially want to become one of the best out there. Yeah. Um, where'd that come from? Okay. So, um, asthma runs in my family. I've actually had family members pass away from asthma attacks. My aunt had uncles, cousins and all that. So, um, like you said, it's something that is challenging and it's, it's like kind of a setback that you can't avoid, but what changed my mindset was I had one asthma attack and I remember it clearly, like I'm seeing it in my eyes and just, it was in the middle of the night and I could not breathe. It felt like an elephant was on my chest. And I was just looking up at my parents in the ambulance. Um, like I remember looking up and just thinking like, this may be the last time I can see them. You know what I'm saying? Like, and the biggest thing I was doing was just trying to keep calm for them. And it made me calmer for my asthma because if you panic, it can heighten your asthma. Mm -hmm. So I learned self-control in terms of, relaxing my breath, no understanding my breath is my home. You know what I'm saying? And that will help me so I can survive long enough to make it to the hospital. So I had to learn how to, even though I'm out of breath, even though I'm hurting right now, I had to calm my spirit down. And that's one of the things I always say, if your spirit is stronger than this vessel, you can move mountains. And that's why you see me in competitions and I'm looking, even though I'm dying, I'm relaxed. Yeah. Or you see me in Tone House, I'm relaxed in my face and I'm still smiling because I know if I panic or if I exert myself, I may not see tomorrow. So that's what changed that one moment. And then the doctor told me, oh, you may not be able to play sports and all that. I wouldn't advise you um, to do that. So that's when I transitioned and said, OK, I'm going to go outside and run. So I used to run at least five miles. And then I said, you know, I'm going to pick it up. My my grandmother lived in the neighboring town. So I would run to her house, um, talk with her in the morning and then run back home and then start my day. Um, and a lot of my friends didn't realize that they didn't even know that um, that I was doing that unless they seen me like when they yeah. were riding to school and all that. And it just became something I would do. So like I'm running a New York city marathon and everybody's like, Oh, you're ready for it. Like you're so big. You're not around, but they don't realize I, I ran all my life, you know what I'm yeah. saying? To, to help me be able to play sports, play football at the level that I was playing at. Yeah. No, I mean, honestly, you took me by surprise too, because um, just knowing you over the course of the last few years, knowing some of your peers in, in your space, you know, you guys do some incredible things when it comes to what we see from a fitness perspective. But truth be told, there's only a small percentage of you that are marathon runners. Yeah, like, yeah. you know, like it, it just like, it, it's almost like um, it, it wasn't the arena that we expected uh, you to be in. And so it's incredible to kind of see you, especially given your background with asthma, uh, yeah. put, you know, your, your feet in front of each other and, and push. And just before this, I was like, 
you know, what was your longest run today? And you were like 15 miles. Yeah. You were like, yeah, I, that's my regular run. And I'm like, yeah. you know, most runners ain't running regularly. 15 exactly. Miles. <laughs> exactly. Like, so it's a difference. It's definitely a difference. Yeah. Um, and what I tell people, because um, a lot of people in the last couple of years really got into fitness, you know what I'm saying? Outside of athletes, like yeah. fitness scene has been booming in the last couple of years, but what they don't understand is I've been playing sports since I was like six years old. So I've been training all my life. Yeah. So in terms of my bone density, in terms of like uh, my strength, in terms of all these things, I've been doing this my entire life. So even like playing football or rugby and you're running nonstop, you're not just yeah. standing still in yeah. practice and games and all that. So it's no different. One game is like basically, basically running a half a marathon or more, you know yeah. what I'm saying? So it's not like it's something new. Yeah. It's just something different. And I look at it more. So like we were talking about when I run, I'm not saying, okay, I'm going to calculate 18 miles today. No, I say, I'm going to go and look at scenery. So my last run, say I'm going to go to my old apartment and then I ran to my first job and then I ran to my second apartment and then I came back around and that was one big circle and that made 15 miles. See what I'm saying? So something like that is what I would do because like I said, from asthma, I control the narrative. I control. But now if I say 18, that becomes a job. I never want my training or my lifestyle to feel like a job. So yeah. I think about, okay, I'm going to run for scenery today. I'm going to run just to loosen up, get outside, things like that, instead of I'm going to set this pace and run for that. Yeah. yeah. Um, which actually kind of led me to something else that I was thinking about is, uh, let's give the listeners a little bit of insight into when it is that you train, right? Like, you know, you guys, you're instructing at five in the morning sometimes and throughout the day you're coaching, you know, you probably got to eat at some point. Um, you're, you know, programming and, and working with other trainers out there. What's your regimen? Like, you know, yeah. from a workout perspective, because all I see is you're working out in the middle of the night. Yeah. So, so it's funny. A lot of, a lot of people have the thought that trainers, this is your job. You work out all the time. No, yeah. you don't. So we have time. We're going from teaching classes to one-on-one sessions to, like you said, having to eat, to traveling this way, traveling that way, building programming and building programming takes time Fine, because yeah. you have to set it for each individual person. You can't just yeah. make a program. Um, so what I like to do is like when I wake up, I like to go directly to the gym. That's my coffee. You know what I'm saying? I, I went 30 something years without drinking coffee and all that. That's my coffee. That's my way of waking up. Yeah. Um, and when I'm in the gym, I like to get in and out of the gym. You look at a guy like me, like he got to be in there for hours. No, I'm in there for an hour because with my philosophy, I do two, total body day. Okay. All right. The bodybuilding community, in my opinion, has messed everybody up thinking that, all right, you got to do upper body one day, lower body the next day. No, because I can't give 100% to all of the upper body movements if I'm just doing that in that one session. So now if I do bicep curls, then I'll do core, then I'll do legs. Now my upper body is recovered to at least 75%. More so if I did bench press and then bicep work, then no, I'm at like 40%. That causes injury, all right? And it's boring just doing one muscle all day. So I like to get in and out of the gym no more than an hour. And then I'll probably take a tone house class. You know what I'm saying? When you see me, and this is um, great for your listeners. When you see me work out at three in the morning, that is not necessarily about hard work. That's yeah. more so anxiety about continuing to work hard. So yeah. I can't sleep. Yeah. So 
my relaxing moment is in the gym. I can control the gym. I can control the weights and my emotions and everything. So when I can't sleep, that's when you'll see me in the gym at three in the morning. I'm trying to relax my anxiety because my mind is always racing on a new idea, a new opportunity, a new way to help the community and different things. So I'm sitting there trying to sleep, but I'm not falling into it. So what I do is I go to the gym and it relaxes me and then I go to bed. So a lot of times people are like, it's like oh, your cup of tea so at night. It's like, yeah, it's like they, you to bed. Yeah, they oh. like they work so hard and all that. But I'm like, no, that's depression and anxiety right there. So if what you see as hard work is me actually just fighting battles that uh, my smile doesn't show necessarily. Yeah. So. Um, I want to dive into that a little bit more because a couple of years ago, um, you had started a little campaign based on the quote, rest if you must, must, yes. but don't quit. And look again, like I knew you. Yeah, there he's got his don't quit hat right there. <laughs> and, and, and I knew you. And to your point, one of the things that you mentioned earlier that I think is extremely important for listeners to point out here is if you see a picture of James, you might think this is a loud dude. He's extremely even keeled. Mm-hmm. And as you could hear in his voice right now, like he's keeping it very, very cool. And this is yeah. this is who he is. Yeah. Um, and uh, but there's one thing about that quote that kind of really stuck out to me because I wasn't expecting it to come from you. Not that I didn't think you believed in it, but it was more around like, why is he pushing this message so hard? And why does he believe it in it so much? Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I kind of want to turn that to you really quick in terms of like, how did that become something that you really kind of clung on, clung on to and, and wanted to really like, why does it mean so much to you? Okay. So when I first heard Don't Quit, it's a poem. Um, it was with my fraternity. I'm a member of Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated. And during that time, I was going through so much. Um, and at the end of the poem is rest if you must, but don't you quit. You know what I'm saying? And I took that as when you rest, you can come back, you can learn, you can you can take what you learn and still do it. But when you quit, it's over, it's done. You cannot come back. And I learned that in my life, there's been moments, yeah, I wanted to push through and all that, but I had to dial back for a second. You know what I'm saying? Restructure change my mindset, change my, the way of handling and then go back. And I got way more than what I thought I would have gotten if I just kept like, just not understanding what was actually going on. But because a lot of times we just like, we got to just keep fighting, keep fighting. No, you got to dial back. You got to research. You got to learn exactly what it takes to get to that level. But now if you quit, if you completely say I'm done, you can never come back. You know what I'm saying? It's over. It's over with. So I want people to understand that when they see me, they think, oh, he doesn't quit. He doesn't. Yes, that is true. But sometimes I do have to dial back and stop. Was it a marathon? Stop. Catch my breath. And then I'll run even longer. Instead, it's just hammering out and then fall over. And then I have no choice but to quit. You know what I'm saying? So I always believe in Rest if you must, but don't you quit because everybody's at their own training level, at their own level in life that sometimes you do need a break, but then you come back with everything you learned from that break and then you take it to the next level. So rest if you must, but don't you quit. Yeah. Love it. Um, and, and so, but it comes full circle if you think about it, because, you know, as we spoke about earlier, from a medical perspective, there were a lot of reasons for you to quit. Yes. Um, and, you know, you could have quit 
at a much younger age. And then you could have just become an average athlete. You yep. could have just, you know, played with the other kids out there, done what you could have done and, and, and not put yourself in any sort of danger. But I kind of want to talk a little bit about how um, not only did you not quit, you rested along the way, you paced yourself, and then you became, um, you know, from an athletic perspective, well above average. Now, you know, you're a trainer at one of the most recognized institutions in New York City. But on top of that, you're a fitness model. So it wasn't even just like, you know, become an athlete and, and compete. It was like, no, like, I'm, I'm going to show you what I did. And I'm going to do it in a way where I paced myself to get here. So I kind of want to talk about that trajectory a little bit in the sense of um, you probably had to take a few rests along the way in the sense that, you know, you had to kind of scope out what was going on around you and mm. and understand how to build that trajectory. So let's talk a little bit about kind of your path there, right? At what point did um, you realize that, you know, you were going to be above average from an athletic perspective and that you were going to kind of explore, you know, maybe potentially the modeling world or just something beyond just being an athlete. So I'll be real with you. I've always felt different where I was from. I've always felt not in place, not necessarily like I was better than everybody or anything. It's just I felt different, you know, saying my mindset, my mentality and everything. And I just felt like there was so much more to my life. Um, and there's different things that will motivate you in life. And this may not necessarily translate for a lot of people into fitness, but I give you a story of me putting bottles in a machine to get money to buy um, sneakers or whatever and seeing like my high school crush or middle school crush walk in the grocery store while I'm putting um, five cent nickel um, cans in the machine and seeing her look at me and I'm like, yo, there got to be more to this <laughs> life. Like I'm over here, like literally taking cans and doing that simple little things like that is a motivation that would say like, yo, there's more to my life and where I'm from sports is big. So that's your way out. Yeah. Like if, if you was a basketball player from Alberni, you knew like yeah. you would get scouted football. We were known for being the hardest hitters and all the above yeah. and so many things. So just those little things new. And I also wanted to get back to my mom in some sort of fashion. Yeah. And it's, it's crazy. So um, let me dive in into a little bit of things that I've done in my life sure. and it, and it will come full circle in a way. So I played sports um, my entire life, all the way um, through college and all. When I graduated college, I actually went into film, the film industry. So I was working for Black Entertainment Television, sure. producing, editing, all the above. Did that for years. And then I worked at Nickelodeon and TV, different things like that. Um, and while I was doing that, I got signed to Wilhelmina at the same time, um, which I've been, like you mentioned, Nike commercials, Nike ads, muscle fitness, every single thing. Um, and then I changed that when Zoe Alonzo, the founder of Tone House, said, yo, I'm opening up a gym. I want you to come. That's when I transitioned fully into fitness mm -hmm. um, and stopped. But in each of those routes, it was more of a challenge where it was a don't quit. You know what I'm saying? That don't quit mentality that that I wanted. So say for Wilhelmina, right? Yeah. Wilhelmina, uh, I stumbled across Wilhelmina. My mother, it was one summer I came back from college and I was laying on the couch. She said, get up. You in all this shape. You're not playing no more. 
and all that. You need to use your body for something. They having a casting call for a modeling agency for the best male body in the world. You better go show your abs. So I'm like, all right, I'll go with you, right? I get there. There's a line around the block full of tall guys, in shape guys. I'm like, ah, man. So I said, Ma, there's got to be, there's one way that I'm going to get them to see me. I said, I'm going to take my shirt off. She said, you're going to take your shirt off? I said, Ma, I'm going to stand on this line. I'm going to take my shirt off because I had abs. Like, yeah. nobody has abs like me. And I'm like, you could be six foot tall, but you don't have abs like me. So we on the line, took my shirt off. She's standing with me, get upstairs. Now, everybody's in there. All the news is looking at me. I'm the only guy in the office walking around with just his shirt off. I'm like, I'm being seen I'm here for a reason. Why waste that reason? I'm here to be a fitness model. I'm shirtless. It fits. You know what I'm saying? Long story short, the news were were all around me. They took me downstairs to shoot. And then the competition went. I came in fourth place. But then the agent was like, yo, everybody was around you. The reason why I came in fourth, they had it where you the more likes you have and all sure. that. And one of the guys, he had a lot. You know what I'm saying? So, okay. but the agent came to me and he was like, yo, you, you, you putting on the show in here. Got it. Next thing you know, then I'm doing everything down to like dancing with Madonna. Like it's like so many things um, like that. And and I look at it as you you control everything. Um, And I'll go into my my thought process. I look at this life as like a simulation. I tell people that all the time. The laws of attraction is real, but you have to 100 percent believe in what you want. If you have any little bit of doubt, you will not get it. You know what I'm saying? You have to have 100% belief that you're going to get in and the universe will open up. You know what I'm saying? Now, you you say then you'll be a millionaire. I have not 100% believe I know how to make a million. That little second of doubt, like, okay, what should I do to make a million is why I'm not a millionaire right now. (laughs) That day I do 100% believe, okay, I know what it takes and what I can do to make a million. Guess what? I'm going to have a million and I'm going to have it fast because- Even the FBI released that, hey, the laws of attraction is real. You can Google that. All right. But um, I look at it like a simulation that if you really want something, you can go and get it. So Wilhelmina, was it was BET, um, was it was Nickelodeon, all these different things. Even what I'm doing in life right now is because I'm living that type of lifestyle. I love it. No, I mean, I hundred percent, the law of attraction and just kind of manifesting and, and envisioning what you want and chasing it down. And, yeah. you know, I, I could go in different routes right now. I definitely want to get to your abs in a second, because I'm sure there's a lot of listeners out there. I know yeah. there are no shortcuts. So we're not going to ask you for a shortcut, but we're definitely going to try to, you know, dig a little bit into why, why you got the abs you got. And maybe if someone could pick up on, uh, you know, something to take home from it. But yeah. I also want to touch on something you had said at the very beginning of this, you realized you were different, right? Like you, you realized inside that you were bred differently, that your mind was different and, and that, um, you know, maybe everybody around you is thinking one way, but you saw something a little bit different. And that really resonated with me because I feel like when people go through things and when people really, you know, have to kind of deal with the roller coaster of life and, and the different pits and use the example of, um, you know, being at the supermarket, recycling those cans and seeing your crush come in and, and how, you know, that kind of, that doesn't go away, right? Yeah. You don't ever want to be back in that position again. Um, yeah. and that position is representative of a bunch of different positions. And, you know, that could mean a lot of different things, regardless of what you're doing in life. Um, and, um, you know, I think that for me personally, 
a lot of people maybe thought I was a runner my entire life. I only started running a couple of years ago. Um, and, and a lot of that was because it took me a while to, um, exude that I saw something different and put it to work because once you see it and you put it to work, then all of a sudden it can kind of make the world of a difference. And then you kind of come to life because you don't really care what anyone else thinks. Um, and so I want to talk about that a little bit with regards to, uh, um, you identified that you thought a little bit differently, that you saw things differently. And then you, as you said, went for it because of the fact that the law of attraction is real. Yeah. What did you do to necessarily block out the noise? And maybe you were chasing things that, you know, other people maybe thought were crazy. Okay. Um, I'll go deep into it. Um, After I graduated college, two weeks after I graduated, my world flips upside down. My grandfather passed away. Strongest man I ever met. Southern man. Um, everybody looked at him as like the person you go to when something goes wrong. He helped everybody, farmer, everything. Like when he walked in the room, you felt his presence. Now, this is a guy I watched my entire life guide me through every single thing. So Everything leading up to me graduating and all the things that it took for me to graduate, being the first uh, male in my family to graduate, you know what I'm saying? Leading up two weeks after, my grandmother said he tried to wait for me to graduate, that he he was going way before then, and he waited for that moment. I felt there was there would be nothing that can break me. I didn't have the chance to show him everything he instilled in me that I'm not letting anybody else, like my mom, my grandmothers and all that, pass away before I can show them. So every job interview I went for, I got, because I'm looking them in the eye and I'm doing every, I know I'm not scared, I'm not broken and everything because there would never be a feeling like not being able to show him, celebrate with him, all the achievements that I've done. You know what I'm saying? So that was my breakthrough moment where, it was just like, I don't care what anybody think about me. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm I'm legacy of this man, like, which is greatness. So greatness is me. You know what I'm saying? So whether you value the greatness that I'm showing you or not, I'm still going to go in my lane. I only have my lane. I don't have your lane. I don't have anybody else's lane. So in my lane, I'm great. Whether I have failures or I have good days, bad days, I'm in my lane. Now, if I step in your lane, then you could possibly judge me because I'm doing something out of my norm. There's no person like me in this city. There's not one person. Like you said, I'm, I can be in a crowd and I can be front and center, but when you talk to me, I'm more dialed back. I'm more relaxed. I can be a businessman. I can be a trainer. I can be the top athlete. I can step in so many things, but they are all my lanes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So when he passed away, I felt nothing could stop me. And ever yeah. since then, every week I'm doing something to show my mother. Um, my grandmother's passed away, but they got to see a lot. And then I'm continuing to keep the process going. Yeah. Um that's so special. And I, I think that it's definitely something for people to kind of take away from there is that um, there are those life altering experiences um, that really kind of propel you and, and kind of 
leave a mark on you and, and make you realize that a lot of the noise doesn't matter. It like doesn't. It, it, it doesn't matter. Yes. Um, and yes. you know, you, you learn from watching your grandfather and, and seeing the impact that he had on people around him. And then you obviously felt his presence gone once he passed away. And I think one of the takeaways for a lot of listeners out there is, is don't wait, don't wait until you have to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, you I know, learned. a lot of times it's, it's like, you think you have time, but the most precious ass that we have in this lifetime is, is time. Yes. Um, and, and so there's no reason to wait there. Yes. Um, wow. Um, so you took me a little, you took me a little bit off course here, yeah. uh, but, it, but in yeah. a really good way. Um, yeah. let's talk about your, um, your trajectory you know, from here at this point. Um, and, um, in particular, we talked about your workouts and, and you mentioned a little bit about, you know, dealing with anxiety and, and a little bit of depression and, and kind of sorting through that. Um, I, I kind of want to dive a little bit deeper with regards to, um, you know, what potentially dr- triggers, you know, on the outside, it could be seen that look, he's happy, go lucky. He's yeah. worked his ass off. He's earned yeah. everything he's got. You know, what could possibly trigger some anxiety, um, you know, at three o'clock in the morning? Uh, The anxiety comes from there's more. There's more to do. There's more to help. Am I helping? Am I being a good brother, good boyfriend, a good son, a good friend? Those those anxieties, a good um, coach, a good trainer. Am I doing what is needed? You know, I'm saying to help others less of myself. Yeah. Saying because I'm okay with myself. I can live like a <laughs> I can live in the wilderness and be good. But it's just more so, more so um keeping things going. When you do something so much, it becomes your life that if it if you feel like you had to stand still, it's just like, wait, this is awkward. So I'm so a lot of people are like, you need to relax, you need to take breaks, and like the rest of you must, yeah. but don't you quit. But <laughs> It also comes with that, okay, okay, what's next? You know what I'm saying in front of me? So then when I'm laying down, I'm like, oh, shoot, that's a good idea. Maybe I should do that. Okay, what should I do with that? Who should I talk to? But then I'm up like, dang, I can't talk to them right now to get started. And even like the don't quit events. The reason why I started don't quit events because I felt the anxiety and all that. And I was like, okay, I want to help people. How can I help people? And then I told myself, all right. I used when I first started in this industry, I didn't get invited to none of the fitness events and yeah. all those big things. And I'm like, once I did get invited, I'm noticing they only invite people who already are these people, but the everyday well, who already person, fit, who already fit, yeah, who look like but, they belong in those rooms. Exactly, yeah. but they're not buying the Nike products. They're no. not. They're getting them. So I'm like, the everyday people who's actually supporting these brands and all that are not even getting invited. Yeah. So I'm like. Let me have something for everyday people, yeah. everyday people to not only be able to have the same experience as Nike, as all these things, yeah. but also be able to release the anxiety that they may have. Yeah. And I always had a speaker at the end yeah. talk about their life, their, their moments and all the things that they navigate. So maybe they can have some relation to them yeah. and know that it's okay. Like you're human. 
Like you are, I'm human. People yeah. see me and they're not realizing. Yeah. Like they, like you said, I'm always smiling and all that, but I am human. Yeah. There's some moments where I do not necessarily doubt myself, but I do get confused on, okay, what's next? You know what I'm saying? What's next for my family? What's next for me? What's next for my finances, my, my life, everything. So in those moments and the, the hours of like 3 a.m., there's nobody messaging me. There's no, there's no Instagram scrolling. There's nothing. It's just me with myself. And that person with myself is that still that young person wanting to push through adversity, wanting to avoid having to put in recycling cans when the rest of your classmates are walking by. And that person is still in me. So in those hours, that's where I'm not moving. And that's when I really start thinking like, okay, what's next? So then you'll see a new don't quit event or something. So no, I, I think um you hit a lot of important things. And um, you know, for the listeners out there, a couple episodes ago we had a diva's anchor come on from from grit. And you know, she had mentioned that, you know, a lot of times people don't humanize trainers, right? Yeah. Like you don't realize that. You know, they're, they're people too. And just because, you know, their pictures up front or it's on a magazine and and just because the sun might glisten off their abs, you might think that like, you know, they're not normal people, but, but here's a, a takeaway for every single listener out there is that here we are, we have someone who's, you know, built his way to a certain echelon within the industry. Who's telling you that he loses sleep you know, at three o'clock in the morning, because, you know, he thinks there's more to be done. And honestly, you know, he's not alone. You know, you're not the only trainer out there that probably thinks like this. And I think it's really important because um, one of the things that I love about the fitness industry, in particular group fitness and places like Tone House is it really does bring people together and it humanizes activity. And, you know, we we see um, trainers such as yourself, um, you know, take full um full responsibility for getting down on the ground and um showing people that you know even though you're struggling through these gallops or these bear crawls or whatever it may be um mm-hmm. it's representative of the fact that i don't have it all figured out myself and i'm going to crawl with you and i'm going to gallop with you to make yeah. sure that you know we get you uh to the finish line so uh, um you know, I'm, I really appreciate you sharing that with us all. Yeah. Well, I'll also look at it like um, trainer is my cert. I'm a coach. Yeah. And becoming a coach with being a coach is not only you have to know the science, but you have to be able to get into their internal spirit and and bring something out of it. You know what I'm saying? You have to embody exactly what you're coaching, you know, saying a trainer, yes, a trainer, you tell me you need a trainer and you want this. I can just give you that and just go about my merry way. But as a coach, no, I got to ignite something else in you so that when you go to your family, you exude that same thing. When you go into your job, you have confidence when you're walking down the block, all those different things. So that's why I value that so much in that coaching aspect more than a trainer. You know what I'm saying? Like I said, yep. training, being a trainer is more of my certification, yep. but what I'm doing is more of coaching. And that comes with and like you said, they don't realize the different things. Loud music, 
always having to be happy. Somebody can die right next to me and I have to go in that room and act like nothing is wrong. You know what I'm saying? I got to be up, high fives, all the above, as well as I got to look in shape. I got to be motivational. And then even I always got to be on. But even after the class, you got to become a therapist because then they say they tell you why they took the class and what's happening in life. And then you have to be able to give them that motivation for their normal day. So so it is a lot that you take in. Um, You take in their spirits. But if you exude that back, it's like if you push out positivity um, and do everything pure in heart, then you'll be able to affect a lot of people. So you talked about your mom earlier and the impact she's had on you, um, in particular when it comes to um, how you um, how you lead yourself as a coach. Has anyone else inspired you uh, throughout your lifetime, whether it was another former coach of yours or just someone else who kind of played a role in kind of helping you um, play that multifaceted role? You're right. You're, you're not just you know, training on the turf, but then you are being their therapist afterwards. Mm-hmm. You are listening, you are relating. And honestly, that part might be more important because if you don't do that part, well, that's the part that they're going to remember when they think about coming back. Yeah. Uh, so I've had some great coaches in my life. Some of them hard, some of them militant, some of them, like I had amazing coaches, but one person I will say um, is Alonzo, founder of Tone House. You know what I'm saying? From the time I met Alonzo years before Tone House even opened. And the way we met, it was funny. I just got into Wilhelmina. Alonzo was a Wilhelmina model as well. Mm-hmm. Um, just got in Wilhelmina. I was in the magazine for Muscle Fitness. They had a party and all that. Walk in the building, everybody mean mugging me. Everybody straight face and looking at me. I'm like, what is this? Alonzo, he came up to me. Hey, you just signed with Wilhelmina. What's up? I was like, yes, you know what I'm saying? I'm young. I'm in this industry. I'm like, what in the world? Why is everybody looking at me like they mad at me? (laughs) But he was a one person. And then ever since then, we became friends. And then he said, hey, I'm opening up a gym and all that. And I I want everybody to have the same experience that we've had in sports, that team aspect, that friendly environment, the fun that we felt in sports. And I'm going to give it to everyday people because they can unleash their inner athlete. And from there, watching this man every single day, like this is a close brother of mine. And he's always so positive. And he shows up and he supports. And no matter what's going on, he could have surgery, all this stuff. He's going to make sure everybody that's around him is happy and good. And I took that on, you know what I'm saying? Because like, yes, that's, that's what I embody, but he embodied it to the fullest nature of it. You know what I'm saying? Like I want to be that. So I try to be that, but he actually embodies it. So I literally took on a lot of his personality just from being in around him where I gained a lot of patience. I gained a lot of um, just like so much happiness for doing what you're what you're doing. Like if you take his class, you just see how happy. And yeah, he's, he's always smiling. He exudes it. You know, the air around him, it's like one big smile. Yeah. And, and you kind of think to yourself, this is a business owner in New York. This is someone who, you know, has a lot of responsibility. And it's like, you can't even get a whiff of any sort of, I'm sure he has stressors that he deals with, but on, yeah. again, on the outside, you, you can't really, um, you can't sense it. Um, he, found, he found a way to, to live in that. I don't know what it, it takes for him, 
Yeah. But um, he he actually showed me the business side of fitness and how to handle all those situations yep. and do it with pride and still be unapologetic because know your worth, yep. especially in this industry. You know what I'm saying? Because yep. um, the great thing about Alonzo, like, is he brought in people that not necessarily get the opportunities and molded them and which also helped them for even bigger opportunities yeah. in life. And all he does is clap for them. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, I've noticed that. I've noticed that yeah. with the trainers that have kind of moved in and out of Tone House and, and yes. you see the opportunities that they um, move on to. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, that, that kind of, I'm glad you're on because Tone House has come up on this podcast a few times. Yeah, and yeah. that's because I've had a few uh, former guests who I've actually met through the house and on the turf. And, you know, someone I was speaking to recently, him and I actually just met at Turf Wars a couple of years ago. And we were both joking around about how, like, at the time we had just kind of started, you know, building up our journey. And then yeah. we found ourselves, you know, at the back of line on Turf Wars and we were like, <laughs> how, how, how did we end up here? But we brought up the podcast a few times, him and I, and, and another guest. Um, and I, I kind of want to give you the floor for like a one minute commercial really quick. And I want you to kind of explain to the listeners what about Tone House makes it so special that despite the fact that it's extremely difficult and kind of labeled as, you know, the hardest workout in New York or one of the hardest workouts in New York, that, um, you know, people keep coming back despite, you know, their previous athletic capacity, if you will. Yeah. So one thing about Tone House, like we always say, um, we want everybody to unleash their inner athlete. There's an athlete in every single one of us, whether we are former athletes or this is our first time ever. It's in us. It's in us to run, jump, all the above. Now, our job as trainers, as coaches, is to allow you to unleash that in the way of being on a team. That's the difference. It's not just like any boutique gym. It's former football players, former hockey players that's been part of a team. And you know, with a team, you have your line. That's your big guys. You have your wide receivers. You have your quarterback running backs. Everybody is different in their athletic ability. Alignment is not going to run as fast as a wide receiver. Wide receivers is not going to run as hard as a running back, but everybody comes together and they have their purpose. And that's how we utilize that that same uh, mindset in Tone House that you can be from different walks of life, different shapes, different sizes, different journeys in your fitness, but we are all one team trying to finish this one class. And the one thing we have never said is that we are the hardest gym in the world. I we yep. never say that. Everybody mm-hmm. else say that. People say and, it on your behalf. <laughs> but yeah, they say it on our behalf and you want to know why. No matter what day you come to Tone House, no matter how good you get, the faster you go, the more you fall out. So yep. you're getting better. You are getting better because you're going faster. You're doing all this and you're doing more. You're adding more weights. You're you're doing more runners without standing up. And so no matter what, no matter what fitness journey you're in, whether you're just starting or you're a seasoned Ironman, <laughs> you, know, you know, saying athlete, you're still going to get that burn. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Because yep. if I do one runner and you do three runners full speed, we stop at the same time guess what? We both got our burn in. It was the hardest workout for both of us. So that's one thing that we, we, we want to always present that we don't say it's the hardest workout. We allow you to understand that this is how your favorite athlete has gotten to this level. 
And this style of training will also get you to this level. And you are now becoming that 5%. You know what I'm saying? Because when Tone House athletes go against other people or other athletes, they're right there with them or even in front because they're used to that type of thing. And it's a friendly environment. We clap it up, high fives, we show love and different things. And the coaching style is we don't want you to, we're not, I'm not trying to make you die. I'm just giving you the tools, but I don't want you to die. I'm a, because I'm going to take class with you. And guess what? We're going to fall out right next to each other and be like, yo, this doesn't get any easier. So that's one thing. We take class with you. We're in the environment with you. We practice what we preach. That's right. So we understand how you feel. Absolutely. And that's one of the, that's what makes the environment so beautiful um, is that it does really kind of unify regardless of where you're on the platform. One thing that you pointed out that is so true is that regardless if you're a D1 athlete, an Ironman, a marathoner, if you take a class, you're going to fall down at some point. And it doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter. Like, and that's the beauty of it is it's designed to um, level the playing field regardless of level. Um, And, um, you know, you got coaches like James literally on the ground with you uh, to carry you through. Um, All right. So I want to bring things home here, Um, you know, to sum up for everybody um, listening in, we've kind of um, talked through a lot here. We've talked about um, James's childhood, what he had to deal with, you know, going through asthma, uh, being diagnosed with asthma. Uh, Before he was born, the doctors told his mom that he may have no limbs and and she had kind of um, set the stage early with regards to mindset around the fact that, you know, despite, um, you know, any sort of prognosis, my son is my son and, and, you know, he's going to rise up above of it all. Um, that was cl- clearly synced in through the way that you were raised. Um, you know, y- you talk about um, just kind of knowing early on that that you were built different and how that kind of helped you and in, in, in terms of owning who you are um, and chasing what you want and then talking about um, the abundance that's out there. Um, you know, if you were kind of given the opportunity um, to um, to speak to someone who's maybe in your position 10 years ago, someone who, um, you know, didn't kind of own who they were at that point and, and was looking for help and, um, in pursuing what their purpose was, um, you know, in this world, you know, how would you approach that person? How would you guide them and how would you help them kind of shape their mindset? I would mostly tell them that at the end of the day, you have to move unapologetically. You have to live in your purpose, in your lane, like I mentioned earlier. Um, one of the best quotes one of my bosses ever gave me, Trinket Lewis at BET, when I was just an intern before I even got a job, she said, potential gets you fired. Potential should get you in the door. It should allow you to get seen. But after that, you have to come with more than just potential. All right. So a lot of people, they walk around with just potential. And they don't take that extra step to just like let that potential get them to where they're going to be. If I if I have potential in something, no, I take that and I try to take it to the next level. I try to do the research that rest a few months, but don't you quit. Do all the things that I need so I won't be able to quit. So I would tell the listeners and remember this quote, potential gets you fired. Got to have more. All right. James, I, I can't. I, I you gave me goosers, and the reason why you gave me goosers is because a, a couple episodes ago, um, we had a, a former arena football player come on, 
Um, and the name of his episode was Nobody Gets Paid Off Potential. And yeah. he talks about the fact that potential is his least favorite word um, yes. in the American vocabulary. Oh, I hate and, it. And yeah. you didn't know that and you yeah. nailed it. And so there is no better way to end this pod. James, thank you so much uh, for coming on board, for sharing your story, for giving us, you know, these pieces of wisdom um, and for sharing a little bit more around the humanization um, uh, of your industry. Um, So thank you so much for coming on board. Thank you, my brother. I appreciate you truly. You got it. Thank you for listening today. If you enjoyed this episode of the Mile 40 podcast, go ahead, subscribe, leave a review, and share the word. Thank you for being a part of the Mile 40 family. And let's unite in showing the world that comebacks are always greater than setbacks.